Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life, so we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. We're going to be looking this morning at 1 Samuel uh, chapter 17. Now, I love 1 Samuel. I've, I've read this book, I don't know how many times, because I love the story of David. And David was just this cool guy that just, you know, he had struggles, but yet he had these awesome um, victories in his life. Uh, when he fell, he always came back to God, and he was just this really, really awesome uh, person in the Bible. So I love to study about him. And in this story, it's, it's early on in his life, we find that he is the eighth son of Jesse. He has three eldest brothers uh, that have all enlisted into Saul's army to fight the Philistines. And he's sent by David... Uh, David is sent by his dad to visit the front and deliver some food to these brothers. Now, I love this because David has already been anointed king. He's already, already been anointed king, but see, he understands the difference between anointing and appointing. So he hasn't been appointed as king yet, just anointed. And so he does this, this kind of a menial task for his brothers, and he does it with a great attitude. And he could have just said, you know, come on, dad. Samuel was just here. Like, I'm, I'm going to be the king of Israel. Can't you have somebody else do it? No, he didn't, he didn't, have, that idea, uh, he didn't have that attitude at all. He didn't, he didn't have the attitude of, well, it doesn't really match up with my call. You know, I haven't been, that's not my call. Or it doesn't really match up with what has been prophesied over my life. You know, a lot of times people will prophesy over us and know this, church family. We need to make sure when that happens that we check that out with authority, spiritual authority in our life, that they, they, they confirm that in us because we can go into awesome conferences and seminars and that kind of thing and people can speak things over us. And a lot of times it's, over from, it's from God, but we need to make sure of that. And in this situation, a lot of times, you know, when we get prophesied over, we automatically think if it is from the Lord, that that's going to happen right now. It's going to happen tomorrow. But it may not happen right now. It may take years, and it did for David. It took David, it took, it took years that uh, went by before David became, actually was appointed the king of Israel. And so I just, I love his attitude in this moment. And we pick up in verse 19 where it says, David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts. He arrived at the outskirts of the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield and shouts and battle, and battle cries uh, he heard. Soon the Israelites and Philistine forces stood facing each other army against army. David left his things uh, with the keeper of the supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, he saw Goliath the champion from Gath, come out from the Philistine ranks, shouting his challenge to the army of Israel. Now understand, Goliath was nine feet, six inches tall. He was huge. He was the warrior of warriors for the Philistines. He was a weapon of mass destruction. And a lot of times when armies would face during the day, they would have a champion from each side come out and fight. And the victor, whoever that champion, whichever champion won, ended up winning the battle for the whole army. And that's what was going on here. Verse 24. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. 
Have you seen the giant, the men were asking. He comes out each day to challenge Israel. And have you heard about the huge reward the king has offered to anyone who kills him? The king will give him one of his daughters for a wife and his whole family will be exempted from paying taxes. Yeah, back in the day, man, that was really something to get excited about, to be able to marry one of the king's daughters. Nowadays, we'd probably get more pumped up about not having to pay taxes, right? That's a big deal. But the truth is, it was a great honor to be able to marry someone in the royal family. It was basically like winning the lottery. You would be taken care of for the rest of your life. Verse 26, David talked to some, uh, some others standing there to verify their report. What will, what will a man get for killing the Philistine and putting an end to the abuse of Israel? He asked them. Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to, be, to defy the armies of the living God? And David received the same reply as before. What, have, what you have been hearing is true. That it, the reward, what the reward is for killing the giant. David just wanted to make sure what he was playing for here. He just wanted to make sure what the reward was before he committed uh, to this fight. Verse 28, but when David's oldest brother Eliab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and dishonesty. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. Because that, isn't that a typical big brother, little brother conversation we see here in Scripture? You, you, can, just, you can hear it. And then verse 30 says, he walked over. Uh, to some of the others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. So he's just asked, really? You get a king's daughter? You, you don't have to pay taxes? All you got to do is fight this guy and that's what you get? The, uh, uh, don't worry about a thing, uh, David told Saul. I'll go fight this Philistine. Now, the Israelite soldiers saw Goliath as an impossibility, but David saw it as an opportunity. He's like, I, I kick his butt and I get all of that. Now, now, maybe he has seen some of Saul's daughters and they, just, they must just be fine. They just must be hot and the taxes must be really high for, for this kid to be willing to go out against this giant. The king replies, don't be ridiculous. There is no way you can go against this Philistine. You're only a boy. And he has been in the army since he was a boy. But David persisted. I've been, I've been taking care of my father's sheep, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and take the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this uh, pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who has saved me from the claws of the lion and the bear will save me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go on these, he said. I'm not used to them, so he took them off again. Now, most scholars believe that David was between the age of 15 and 17 years old. Jason, come up here and help me out just real quick. So this is, this is a normal size teenage boy, probably around the size that David was when this took place. Now, 
Goliath, nine foot, six inches tall. So this gives you an, an, an honest view of the height of this giant. So if you put David next to this giant, that's what he had to face. Now, would you take a giant on with five rocks? No, I don't think so. I, I wouldn't either. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. Give him a hand. Appreciate that. Five rocks. That's what he had against this giant. And understand, this is the height of Goliath. It gives you an idea of the height of Goliath, but the girth of Goliath. Like, he was just massive. His, his javelin, his sword, ever, all of his armor, it was huge. This guy was a scary, scary guy. Verse 40, he picked up five smooth stones from a stream, David did, and put them in his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across to fight Goliath. Okay, so he's walking right towards him. Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick. And he cursed David by the name of his gods. Come over here. I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. David shouted in reply, you come to me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut your head off, and then I will give, you the, dead, uh, give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. This is like the, this is like the first real evidence of trash talking right? These guys are just at each other. And David says, oh, I'm not only going to kill you, but your army's going to be dead too. You think you're going to feed me to the birds? I'm going to feed your whole army to the birds. And everyone will know that the Lord does not need weapons to rescue his people. It is his battle, not ours. The Lord will give, uh, give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to David, to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Now, I love this because this kid, it, man, we can learn something here. How many times do we face with, with, with temptation? How many times does the devil come against, us with, uh, give, come against us with something? If we had the attitude that David did, if we had that boldness just to speak to the demonic and say, how dare you? How dare, do you, how dare you come against me? I am a child of the living God. I am anointed by the most high. I am a child and heir to the throne. You can't come against me. You have no fight in this game. You can't hurt me because God has got me. If we just had that attitude, man, the battles we could win before they would ever start. Then I love the fact that David, he doesn't just sit around. He doesn't do a, like a, a Floyd Merriweather thing where he just, he backs up and just hits on the way back, you know, kind of like what Merriweather does. He, Goliath comes towards him. It says that he runs at him. He runs at him. This 15-year-old kid goes after this giant. That is just, that's just incredible. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it from his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down, uh, downward towards the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine giant with only a stone and a sling. And since he had no sword, he ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath. David used it to kill the giant and cut off his head. 
Now, some scholars teach that David brought five stones because Goliath had four brothers. He figured, I killed Goliath, probably have to kill them too. What confidence, right? I mean, I'd be bringing a whole bag of rocks. I'd be trying to find rocks with explosives in them. I'd be doing anything. But David just gets five stones. Why was he so confident? Why, would he, why was he so confident in a situation where he shouldn't have been? I mean, after all, he's, he's just a boy. He wasn't special. He didn't have some magical power because he was going to be king. Of course he had great faith, but there's a, there's a lot of great men in the Bible that had great faith that in this situation would have absolutely been terrified. The secret, David's secret, is found in verse 34. It says, I've been taking care of my father's sheep, he told, told the king. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from its flock, I go after it with a club and take the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the, law, the jaw and club it to death. I've done this both with lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine. That is amazing to me, too. I think a lot of times we read that scripture and we go, man, he faced this huge giant. And we skip the fact that he's killed lions and bears. And I, that, that, that's huge in itself. I, I bow hunt every year. And every year I apply for a bear tag. And as a hunter, you know, when you go out, uh, to see a bear in the wild is kind of a rare thing. You just, you just don't, it just, just doesn't happen very often. But I always get a bear tag because you just never know. And so I, I'm out and I'm hunting and I got my bow and I'm, I'm actually stalking some bucks and I have a guy with me and uh, uh, he's actually guiding me, you know, uh, which is kind of crazy because this guy was new. So he didn't know the area very well either. But, you know, where we go that you have to go out with somebody. So I, I got this guy with me and, and um, uh, I look over this ledge and I see this bear. And he is huge. He's huge. And I'm like, oh, 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 bear, 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 bear. He's like, oh, my gosh, there's a bear. I'm like, yeah, there's a bear. And I got my bow. And, and I'm like 100, over 100 yards away, which, of course, I can't take, take, can't take a shot. But I'm thinking, well, okay, I got to go after him, right? I got to I, I gotta go after him because this guy's with me. And, and he's going he's gonna to tell everybody that I chickened out if I don't go after this bear. Now, it's one thing to see a bear in a zoo. It is different completely when you see a bear in the wild and all you have is a bow. And where he went was in, uh, in this oak brush. And it was weird. It was like this island of oak brush. And it was clear, clear all around kind of farmland looking stuff. But it was just this island of oak brush that had like a little pond in it. And if you've hunted before, the oak brush gets game trails on it. It's where it's like it tunnels. And you could tell that this is where the bear went. This was his den. And so I have this bow in my hand, and I'm going in after this bear into his den. And I am scared to death. At that point, I'm like, I wish I hadn't drawn a bear tag. <laughs> then I could have just enjoyed this bear from 100 yards away. And so I, I'm sneaking in, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I, I, at least I have a gun. Because I had a pistol. And so I, I remember I, I took the leather strap off the, the hammer of the pistol, and I, I started walking in. And in my mind, I'm going, if I see this bear, I'm dropping this bow, and I'm grabbing my pistol. I'm going to bust a cap in him because I am not <laughs> facing this bear with a bow. Now, I didn't, we ended up spooking him, and he took off. And so, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't, get another, didn't get a chance to get a shot at him. But, but I was, this was just a few years ago. I've hunted for years. I was scared to death to try to shoot and get in a, in a close encounter with this bear. 
And it was just, you know, it was a black bear. It wasn't even like, it wasn't even like a grizzly. And I've talked to people before that have gone and they've hunted a lion before with, with bows and arrows. And they said, just tack on infinity to your fear when it comes to the difference between hunting a bear and hunting a lion, especially with a primitive weapon. I mean, that's, he clubbed these animals to death with a jawbone. He didn't even have a, he didn't even, he didn't even have a bow or arrow. He didn't even have a sling. He clubbed them to death. That's incredible. That is incredible to me. And, and, and see, the reason that he wasn't afraid of the giant is because he'd faced lions and bears in his life already. That's why he wasn't afraid. That's why he was able to take it on is because God had prepared him for it. And the truth is, is that every day we face our own lions and bears, not literally, but we face them in our life. They come in different forms. One of the forms that they come in is circumstances. Sometimes our circumstances of life can be huge bears and lions. Issues at work, issues at home, health issues. I love watching America's Got Talent in the summer. And the reason I do is because that show's got heart. Like if you watch that show, these contestants all have a story. They all have something that they've overcome. They all have these obstacles in their life that they've been able to get through. And they always talk about them and they tell their story. And it's just incredible how God will bring us through things in our life. Circumstances are, happen on a daily basis. Another lion or bear is trauma. Hurt physically maybe, or maybe you were hurt emotionally. And that trauma was just a massive bear or lion in your life. When I was in high school, I've told this story before, but I got jumped when I was in high school and I got two, uh, two spots in my back were broken. And so uh, I was like, absolutely devastated, sitting in a hospital bed, wondering how it was actually going to affect the health for the rest of my life. But I remember as I laid in that hospital bed, how God began to call me into full-time ministry. So he used this trauma in my life to wake me up, to get me on, on the right track. And so many times that lion or that bear comes in the form of, of just hurt. Maybe it was loss that you faced. You faced lost financial loss. You've faced loss because somebody in your life has gone on to be the, with the Lord. And that has just been a huge thing for you to overcome. Pastor Hooper was talking about earlier how uh, we lost Jill Buck this week. And Jill was just this incredible woman. If you knew her, you were blessed because she was just this awesome lady. And she was like our, like our staff counselor. I mean, everybody went to her. She was our church counselor, but all of our staff went to her too. And the reason that we went to her is because she had 90 years of bears and lions that she'd overcome, not to mention the giants that she had faced. When she was very young, a very young mom, her son was in the military and he went overseas and he adopted a, a young boy uh, just because the, the kid needed a home. And that young boy ended up killing him. So she lost a young son, 20-something son to murder at a very young age. And, and those, are the type, those are the types of giants in your life that you just go, oh my Lord, how did you live through that? And because she lived through that, she was this great just source of wisdom and comfort because there wasn't really anything that you could go to Jill about and she would say, well, I don't know, I never, never faced that. <laughs> she faced it all. So sometimes it comes in a, force of law, a form of loss. And if you've experienced loss, which all of us have, great disappointment always follows. If you face loss, you face disappointment. 
If you've lost somebody in your life, whether it was a person or it was some type of dream that you had, when you lose it, you have to mourn that dream. You have to mourn the dream of what you would have with that person if they were still here. You would have to mourn the dream of what you lost because of whatever it was that you lost. Like you, you had plans, you had, you had things you wanted to do in your life with that person or you had things that you wanted to do because you were going for that particular goal and it didn't happen and so you had to mourn that loss. That disappointment can be a lion or a bear. Then there's obstacles. Overcoming hurdles between you and your goal. There's always obstacles. If you're going after something and it's worthwhile, it's gonna be uphill. And as you're going uphill, you're gonna face obstacles. There's just without a shadow of a doubt. And sometimes those obstacles come in, in big ways. Sometimes they just come in everyday, in everyday ways. Uh, Rebecca and I have always wanted to do a motorcycle trip together where we go and see parts of the United States that we've never seen before. And so we had this goal. We were going to get these motorcycles. And, and as soon as our kids were empty nest, man, we were, or we were empty nest and our kids were out of the nest, we were going we to go on this trip together. So we, but we, we sold some stuff and we bought Can-Am Spiders, both of us. And so we took off just a few weeks ago and we went on this incredible trip together. We went up through Yellowstone and we had no plans. We had no hotel reservations. We didn't know how far we were gonna ride it each day. And it was just this wonderful adventure. And for two clerics, that was, that's like a big thing. Like just, just to be able to go out and just have this adventure and not know what's gonna happen. And so we, we took off. Here's a picture of the two of us. This is actually in Twin Falls, Idaho. And, and, and we would just stop at different places and just look at the beauty. I mean, Yellowstone is beautiful and Idaho and Montana. I mean, there's just, gosh, there's just so many beautiful places. And so we took off and we, we went through Yellowstone and about midway through our week, we kind of ran into some bad weather. So we stopped in Missoula, Montana, and we stayed in a couple of nights there just to wait for the weather to blow over. Well, the final morning we were there, it was still kind of rainy and the, and the asphalt was still slick. And if you guys know what a spider is, a Can-Am spider is actually has two wheels in the front and one wheel in the back. And so we take off that morning and, and uh, we get to speed in, on the interstate. I mean, we're right around 72 miles an hour and my wife's front left tire wheel completely comes off her bike, completely comes off. And so I, this is actually a picture of it. So I hear her because we have communicators in, in, uh, in our helmets and I hear her go, Tim, Tim, something's wrong, something's wrong. And I look back in my rear mirror and I can see her ram shake and then take off. And it actually passes me on the interstate in the left lane, which is just crazy. There's traffic following it. And I remember uh, trying to coach her, which she did so good. I, she was amazing. And God just gave her the, the wherewithal to be able to just to steer that bike over to the side of the road safely. And, and as this tire is going down the interstate, I'm, I'm praying, God, don't let it hit anybody. Don't let it hit anybody. And it ends up going off in the median about 150 yards down the road and just kind of rolling over. And so I run back to her and I just make sure she's okay. And, and it was nuts because as bad as that could have been, I mean, that could have been horrible if we would have been on a corner, if she would have hit a pothole. I mean, how it did what it did is just an absolute miracle of God. I, I'm going to shake my guardian angel's hand in heaven and go, hey, hey, remember that time in Missoula, man? Thanks for having my back, buddy, because whew, we were in trouble. And incredible that she was able to make it to the side of the road. And so as, as, as we're there and all this is happening, it was crazy because as scared as we were, the Lord just put this calmness over us. Like, it's going to be okay. Everything's all right. I got gotcha. you. 
And because we have this track record with the Lord, we knew everything's okay. Everything's going to be all right. And we, we not only wanted everything to be all right as far as her, her to be safe and everybody to be safe on the road, we wanted to be able to finish this vacation that we had dreamed about for five, six years. We still had a week and a half left. And so he worked it out. We were able to get it to a dealership. We were able to get it fixed. And she was able to ride it all the way home, like another 1,100 miles, which was so cool. We went 2,500 miles, which do I not have the coolest wife ever? Like, isn't that awesome? She goes on a 2,500-mile motorcycle trip with her husband. You can get extra points in heaven for that. That is just awesome. But that's the way God is. Like, he'll bring you through obstacles of the past so that obstacles in the future aren't that big a deal. That, if that would happen to us in our 20s, oh, we, oh my, we, we would have just been, we would have just, hey, we probably just would have went to the hospital and say, put us in the mental ward because we just uh, we can't deal with it. The things that we faced in our 20s now seem like not that big a deal. But the things that we have to face now, if we were 20, would have crushed us. It have crushed us. Because we haven't had the bears and the lions in our life to prepare us for the things that we have to face now. The last barrier lion that we face is betrayal. And navigating tough relationships is sometimes the hardest thing that we ever will have to do. Broken marriages, breakups, broken friendships. And if we're not careful, betrayal will cripple us to where we won't be able to have the ability to love or trust or forgive anymore. And these are the essential attributes in being successful in life. I mean, if you don't love... I mean, that's the number one thing we're supposed to do. If you can't trust, you'll never have any close relationships in your life. If you don't forgive, you will carry baggage around on you that will be so heavy and so devastating. And that's a bear, that's a lion that we gotta make sure that we handle right. We need to understand that everything that we've gone through in the past, God is going to use in our future. God uses the process as preparation for your future. He's, he's getting you ready for your next giant. Now you might go, well, I, that, I don't want a giant. I'm good, I'm good with not facing that. I'm okay with that. I don't want lions or bears, so I just won't face my giant. No, you want the giant. Because when you slay the giant, there's great blessing, great favor, great reward. Like you will never believe, even better than princesses and no taxes. Behind the giant is God's blessing for you. It's his promise for you. It's his, he wants to give it to you, but you have to go through things to get there. If you want glimpses of where you're going to, look to where you've been. Whatever you faced in the past, God is going to use it for the future. T.D. Jakes says one of the problems with all of this is, is that we want perfection without process. And if you don't embrace the process, you may alienate yourself from the promise. But the truth is, is, facing giants is tough. Facing bears and lions is not easy. It's It's hard. And you think about all the times that you've laid in your bed at night crying 
crying out to God, crying out because you're mad, upset, because you're scared, crying out because you just know, how am I gonna beat this lion? How am I gonna beat this bear? How am I gonna beat this giant? And, and you just cry, you just cry from the pain. But Jesus makes sure that not one of your tears is wasted. He sees every one of them. He understands every one of them. Because Jesus went through his own lions and bears. He faced giants like we will never have to face. The way Jill Buck was for our staff, I mean, that's the way Jesus is for all Christians. He looks at your life and he goes, I get it. I've been there. You can do this. You can persevere. James 1, 2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. So according to this verse, we should embrace our lions. Embrace our bears. In fact, according to this scripture, the bears and the lions that we've had in our past, we should give them a kiss. We should give them a hug. We should tell that lion or bear, because I was able to overcome you, I am now at the place God wants me to be. Don't let those obstacles in your life, those hurts, those traumas, those betrayals, go unused. Take them and help somebody else. Take them and use them to minister. Because God puts you through it for a reason. And know, wherever you are in the process, wherever your giant's going to be, when he falls, which he will, there's great blessing coming your way. So let's stand together. Whatever it is you're facing right now, I just want you to take a moment and hand it over to the Lord. Call it out, name it. This is my bear, this is my lion, or this is my giant. And God, you are the only one that can walk me through this storm. your finances at his feet. Place your health at his feet. Place your kids at his feet. He's got you. Look at your track record with him. He's got you. may feel like that 15-year-old boy standing against a giant that's nine foot six. But you have the almighty God at your back. And because he is with you, nothing can be against you. So Lord, we speak that promise over us today. We pray, Lord, that you give us the strength give us the boldness. You give us the courage to face whatever bear comes our way, to face whatever lion comes our way. And we trust that when it comes to our giants, they're going down. We trust 
times where we lose faith, I ask that you would remind us of our track record with you. Bring back the memories of all the victories you have in our life. You began a good work in us. The scripture says you're going to be faithful to complete it. We love you, God, and we praise you for how awesome you are. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. See you next weekend. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans that if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my Savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this, in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you again next week.